Good morning and welcome to HR Tech Weekly, One Step Closer with Stacey Harris and John Sumpter. Hey, Stacey, this is show number 217. Oh, I like 17. 17's always been a lucky number for me. That's a, that was oh, that was my wedding anniversary. It was the 17th. I like 17. <laughs> so this will be a lucky show for us, John. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if 217 is a prime number. I think we should have. We should see if you can tell us that. Tell us um, that one. Well, yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> so it's not obvious to me what you would divide 217 by to get something else. Anyhow, how are you? Where are you? I'm doing well. I'm home this week. Um, thank heavens. I will have to say it's been a been a busy travel season, and we're I wouldn't say we're getting ready to wrap it up, but it, but at least we're going to be in a in a couple different areas for the next couple of um, weeks. That for at least a couple of of days, more than just a day or two. So yeah, this week I am home in North Carolina with the trees and the flowers blooming. Um, but next week, both you and I will be in Singapore. So and then the week after that, I'll be in Shanghai. So it's we're heading off into a very exciting travel season in the next couple of weeks. And how about you? You're home this week, right? Uh, yeah, I, I am home this week. I, I don't know what to do with myself. <clears throat> Thank goodness I have some packing to do so I can get out of here. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm looking forward to spending some time in Singapore. One of the things I'm going to get to do um, before you get there is have breakfast with orangutans. <sighs> wow. <laughs> You will have to tell me how exciting that is. I that that sounds like a very neat experience. Um, is is that a, a zoo experience or is that something else? Yeah, that... the, the Singapore Zoo is is legendary for it's it's a, it's a kind of an open zoo, so so you don't really notice a lot of cages and bars, and um, they have the world's most successful orangutan breeding program. And so there are a lot of orangutans in in the Singapore Zoo. And so you're going to get to have breakfast, and yeah. and and hope that your that your bacon's not stole, basically, right? <laughs> yeah, or that something something fecal isn't thrown my way. That's that <laughs> which, which is... thing too. <laughs> well, we'll get to hear all about it next week because we are yeah, doing the yeah. show next week. Everyone should tune in at our regular time. That we will we'll be we'll be taping it a little bit ahead of schedule because of our time zones, but we will be doing it. So everyone should be there, correct? Right. We will be available at this time next week um, with the news from Singapore. Yeah, sharing all the updates, so, exciting things. Yeah. So, what's in the mailbag? Well, it's a busy, busy couple of weeks. I, we we will probably have some things that we'll probably um, move over to next week as well from a conversation because there's a lot of investments being made financially. Um, but that's not the most exciting news this week. Um, we also have some um, announcements about who's sort of moving and, and, and changing positions in the um, space and world that we all live in. Um, so the, a little bit of update on what's happening to some long-term SAP um, team members like Rob Enslin. We also have um, B. Marie adding to their executive leadership team, which is, I think, worth noting because there's been a lot of, I think, stir about what's going on at B. Marie. Um, there's also um, Payscale um, basically announced um, growth investment firm, uh, Francisco Partners, um, is in, has basically um, bought a major share of them at $325 million, which sort of changes their sort of ownership structure a little bit, but also, I think, um, it's worth talking about what's happening in the space of sort of 
uh, compensation survey, compensation consulting world. Uh, Limeade um, is announcing a brand new platform launch. So they're uh, now pulling together a lot of different things that previously were sort of in separate areas. So we can talk a little bit about their new platform that they're launching. Uh, Textio announced this last week, but we didn't get a chance to talk about it as the beginning of the end of writer's block. And so for me, who uh, writes quite a bit, this I thought, well, this, this would be quite an interesting tool if it will actually end writer's block. So we can talk a little bit about that. And then if there's some time, we have some great news this week about what's going on with remote job seekers and people trying to find work-from-home opportunities that go beyond some of the scams. And so there's a lot of news there, uh, as well as SAP and SuccessFactors starting a better partnership with Facebook. So lots of stuff going on. Phenom's got a new uh, platform as well. Uh, that's before we even get to the six or seven investment um, things that have come across the, the news uh, wire this week. So where do you want to start? Lots of conversation areas. Oh, let's just go from the top. Let's just go from the top. So, so Enzo, after 27 years at SAP, joined Google as the president of Global Customer Operations. This one, you know, there's been a lot of restructuring going on at, at um, SAP, and many people, you know, many of the long-term people that I knew are moving around or no longer will be there. I think there was they had some series of quite a bit of layoffs. The whole point, you know, this reminds me of of, of the the you know probably about eight years ago, ten years ago or so, when we saw a similar sort of IBM restructuring when they were shifting out of hardware and moving into other areas in the organization. Um, a huge shift taking place in the organization, restructuring of everything. And Rob Enslin was one of them. He headed up the entire cloud operations at SAP. He's been with SAP for 27 years. If you've been at the most recent SuccessFactors events, he was the man either on the, you know, um, on the stage sort of and opening up the uh, session or sort of having some of the conversations about cloud and where it was heading. Um, but now he's over at Google. This is a this is a pretty big jump to, to to say the least. Twenty-seven years at SAP and now moving into Google. What do you think about this, John? Do you think this is this is this Google embracing more enterprise technology thoughts, or is this you know just going to be a, a a whole new world for Rob Enslin? <laughs> well, yes, it is. <laughs> so 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 so. Google doesn't have a natural bone in its body for the enterprise market, right? Everything that it knows how to do is not enterprise. It's a small, it's a, it's a, it's a company that's made its money selling advertising to small businesses, right? And they, they, um, um, uh, help small businesses discover who their customers are. That's what they do. Um, and they've got all the rest of this stuff wrapped around it in different kinds of markets. You know, they've got car projects and they've got, they've got a kajillion other projects in the enterprise space where they really want to make a difference, where they're a cloud provider. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they don't have super duper high end cloud enterprise talent. And so yeah. this will be an interesting experiment. I have the hardest time imagining that one can overcome 27 years of SAP experience um, uh, because it's such a very specific culture. Um, and Google is such a very specific culture that 
that, you know, now I'll tell you, one of the greatest learnings in my life came from taking a job that wasn't a good cultural fit and getting fired from it. So, (laughs) and it was a good learning for both sides. It was not pleasant, but it was a good learning, and 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 that may be what's what's about about to happen here because the, you know, the the things that make a great enterprise company, we're seeing this um, newer um, HCM software providers in general that, that, that as they become enterprise companies. They have to give up the intimacy that comes with being a, a um, small business provider. Yeah, exactly. Um, that's, a, that's that's a growth challenge for all sorts of players, and so Google's going to go through that. Facebook is also coming in, and Facebook is going to go through that. Amazon is going through that. Amazon's doing a better job than most, um, and and Microsoft has been at the challenge of how do you become an enterprise software company for 20 years now and and make incremental progress as they move along through it so it's a it's a, a question about whether or not you can take a consumer business and aim it at the enterprise operation and maintain the culture of the consumer business yeah, and and I think you know the the company that can can crack this nut, right, um, will be the one that that sort of really makes a difference because I I think you're right. You know, if we take a look at those who have been able to do this versus those who have not, um, it has it has really shown. I mean, Microsoft is a great example. You're right. Twenty years of sort of trying to sort of be the enterprise application, and they definitely you know were able to do that with some of their office products, but still. Their office products, you know, anything they do that sort of is enterprise versus sort of consumer, you tend to lose out on usability when they try and make it enterprise-wide, right? You know, SharePoint is a great example of this. Skype's been struggling with some of this, right? Once you try and make it enterprise, the consumerability of it sort of tends to, to falter. Um, it'll be interesting to see if uh, Rob Enslin can, can figure out that balance for Google because um, I don't think Google wants to lose its consumer friendly components, but that just may not be feasible. There was actually quite an interesting article about Facebook, and it's new. I didn't put it in our our stuff to talk about today, but they're rolling out their new um, user experience and uh, UI, and part of what they sort of noted is that they did not put in the the workspace for Facebook environment some of the things like short-term stories and um, group sort of management that information that sort of is there and then goes away within 24 hours because they didn't feel that worked in the enterprise environment, obviously. Um, and so they're struggling with that conversation too. So yeah, it'll, it's, it's, it's an ongoing battle, I think, in the market. Um, is it winnable? I don't know. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, it'll hinge on, uh, partly it'll this idea that, that, you know, I think is, is kind of silly that, that what users in, business need is a consumer level interface with their software. Uh-huh. Um, I think, I think that's a pretty nonsense idea. And um, um, that's, that's what these companies have to offer is, is intelligence about how to build a consumer interface. The question is, question is really, does that work in an enterprise center? Yeah. 
whether it works or not, I think everybody's trying to get there. I think every application, I uh, at least I see, they're they're they feel like they need to have a more consumer like environment. So, so, um, so, yeah. so this reminds me of my favorite machine learning joke. <laughs> so the dad is talking to his son and to machine learning, and he says to them, "Listen." If all of your friends were about to run and jump off a cliff, would you go with them? And the son looks up at his father and says, I would never do that, Dad. I am smarter than to follow the crowd. And machine learning says, oh, yeah, I'm all in. <laughs> exactly. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, so that, that, that's a kind of a key to what I think about the fact that everybody's trying to do this. <laughs> Well, now everybody has their joke for the week. You can take that to whatever event you're going to. Tell John's AI joke. <laughs> well, let's talk about Beamery. I mean, this is one of the scrappy young companies. I mean, I can remember meeting them almost three years ago. Maybe I haven't even been four years ago, but maybe three years ago at least. Um, and when I was at uh, um, HR Tech Europe, um, uh, the Unleash um, event now in Amsterdam. Um, they were excited about what they were doing, felt they were changing the recruiting space, but they're really taking off right now, aren't they? Or you, you've had more interaction with them, John. I mean, they're changing out their leadership here and, and adding new people to their executive team. Is this a big deal for them? Um, yeah, yeah. Well, so so the people that they're that they are hiring are pretty astonishing. Joel Passon is an ATS veteran, Newton Software um, built hard work in the industry for years and sold Newton. Um, and um, I think it's, I think it's common that Kyle Lagunas is joining them. Um, um, and, and so they're building a muscular American oriented strategy and sales machine. That's, that is different than anybody else has got. Yeah. It's, um, it, and and I mean, their growth has been pretty rapid compared to what else we're. I mean, we're seeing lots of recruiting applications sort of in the market, and everybody says that their growth is is really huge here. But I will have to say that I have seen them in more organizations, and most recently, right? Um, they they their base grew from 200 clients to more than a thousand worldwide. That's that's a pretty huge jump in just the last two or three years. Um, from what we're seeing with most organizations, a lot of them are like, oh, we got 200, oh, we got 300, and they're quite excited to get there, right? Yep. Yep. So, so they're doing well. I, I have been spending more time with them recently than I have in the past, and they are, you know, the theme that I like is that they, they use content marketing in a way that is unusual. They, their view is that Content has to be of value before you do anything about harnessing the sales benefit of the content. So they have, if you want to understand GDPR, the Beamery report on GDPR is the best in the business, uh, and 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 they aim for that level of they aim for analyst quality level of content. So so they they they're earning their their stripes here, and they are growing quickly and it is a it is a um wonderfully robust solution so 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 um it's worth it's the time 
Well, it will be interesting to to see if we can um, uh, follow where they're going and and get some sense of of, of how big they're going to get, and uh, we'll follow them a little bit more. What about pay scale? This is another area where um, I've you know followed the compensation market for quite a while. Pay scale is one of those organizations where you would buy your surveys and get your data from them. Um, they're being picked up by an investment organization. Um, it looks like they're changing hands a little bit more than just being picked up. So, so one organization is dropping out while another is, is picking them up. Um, so, but there is a comment that 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 the um, Fran, uh, Francisco partners um, are excited about the investment in PayScale. They're uh, um, figuring out what they can do with this sort of new and emerging world of compensation sort of management survey and analysis in this space and that everybody's looking for data on um, basically on compensation lists. Uh, is this is this still going to continue to be a niche player though for, for, for a long time? There's only a few companies who do this kind of work at this point. You know, we've got consulting firms like Mercer's, we've got organizations um, like um, uh, salary.com, is there a big room for this? Um, well, well, so it's it's interesting. As work changes, the compensation function is going to get more important, and the flexibility of compensation solutions is going to get more important. You know, so so we're starting to learn what the new elements of jobs are as we embed machine partnerships in everything that we do and pricing and understanding those skills so that you can attract the right people to the company who can do the work that needs to be done. That's going to fall to the compensation people, right? How do you understand what those skills are and how do you um, price newly minted jobs with newly minted skills. And, and so the, the importance and centrality of compensation management software goes through the ceiling, I think, right? It becomes the nexus of, of the data in talent attraction and talent acquisition. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't know that many people are ready for that. And, and it's not a generational thing. It's a, it's, we're, we're going into this technology shift where um, the rules of what a job is and is and um, if you don't have a grip on how that happens from, from a um, conversation in the largest sense, so, you know, sort of total rewards, um, um, you're not going to be able to compete. Yeah, I, so, I think, so I think, I think it's a growth market. But it's, yeah, yeah it, it's, it's a growth market, but, but I don't think that's widely recognized. I would agree. I, I think this is often overlooked, and, and the compensation role and the compensation analyst is oftentimes sort of delegated to, well, just figure that out however you can figure it out, right? Um, I think as organizations get into more workforce planning and the compensation conversation becomes a part of that, a real part of it, not just – um, you know, uh, a, a, a piece of information that you enter into it, you know, and, and just assume that it, that it's static, um, then we're going to start to see a lot more more interest here. But yeah, it's all about transparency, and it's all about giving some, to be honest, respect for the person who's managing this compensation chaos. I, I was at a company not too long ago where they had, you know, over a hundred different 
compensation sort of schemas and uh, for a very minor or small company, right, not that large, and just the amount of effort it takes to manage something like that, I don't think people really realize. So, yeah, this will be interesting to watch. Yeah. So I bet I bet that five years from now, uh, when you go and look at the Fortune 2500, that you will see 50% of the HR departments in the Fortune 2500 with data science departments, mm-hmm. and that compensation management will be one of the primary components of, of data science in the HR department of the future. Yeah, yeah. I would I, I will have to say I agree with you on that one. The most analytical people I've ever met were in, sit in the compensation department. They are generally my favorite people in an HR function. So, <laughs> so we'll, we'll oh, you watch are, and see. You are so strange. I know. I'm odd. I love those spreadsheet <laughs> people. <laughs> Well, on the other side of the spreadsheets is the user experience and the sort of communication side of HR, and this is also growing pretty rapidly. So uh, LimeAid, which has been sort of a, depending on on sort of where you would categorize them, a wellness, a well-being sort of application provider, um, mostly through sort of mobile environments, uh, they're coming out with sort of an updated platform that includes well-being, engagement, surveying, sort of reviews, that kind of thing, inclusion, which is some level of education development and communication around that community, dashboards, coaching things, and a communications tool, which we've been talking about for quite some time, that that sort of is seeming to fit into the HR world a little bit more. Um, All in one, all on their single platform, they're sort of launching this as an updated new version of their application with their new, um, with their conference going on in the next couple of months. I mean, we're seeing more of this, John, but is this new and improved, or is this just creating a new um, employee self-service tool, basically? What do you think? Well, well, so, so uh, you know, maybe – I don't know if you've noticed this, but I can be a little cynical here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, sometimes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so this is this – is, this this looks like hi we're limeade we can't figure out what we are so we started with well being and and we went to engagement and and then we tried to do inclusion uh, and now we're slack <laughs> you know you know and that's sweet um, and I, I'm sure it's more interesting than that but 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 some focus is is a useful thing and a package that has employee communications and well-being integrated to each other i'm not sure i get that well i i i'm going to disagree with you a little bit on this i mean i get what you're saying that in this particular area there might be some more focus might be helpful but i you know we've been following this sort of service delivery area for a while and i do think there is a growing need to connect my personal world and needs with the business world and needs. And we tried to do it in talent management applications. didn't really work. We tried to do it in the core HRMS, but, you know, I really don't want my personal stuff tied at that level to the information. I think the place where, where employees are going to feel most comfortable is in something that they control a little bit more, which is generally some sort of an application that's on their phone that is a little more consumer mine and then they add in the other information right um not sure if it's the that'll be the case long term but definitely that seems to be the 
the direction. This is where we're seeing like the Virgin Pulses and those kind of organizations also go, which is I want to see my benefits and information. I want to see my wellness information, but I also need to see my paycheck somewhere, right? And, you know, is it the same application that I can do that in? Maybe, maybe not. You know, do I want to see here some information about inclusion and diversity in my coaching and mentoring? It feels like putting those things together might be more of a benefit for the next, you know, generation of the workforce. Well, well, so, so, so let me push back on that just a little bit. The next generation of the workforce from everything I read isn't going to hang on to a job for very long. (laughs) Right. And so, so this is the kind of, this is the kind of communications idea that requires a sustained investment over time. You know, this is something that would, that would be very interesting if you had a relationship with employees over a lifetime. But if you've got a relationship with employees over 18 months or a couple of years, um, do you really think they're going to want to integrate their personal stuff with their work stuff? Yeah. Only, I, I guess, I guess the answer is only if it's portable to the next company. That's that's the next conversation, right? Yep, that is definitely where we're seeing the conversation about things like blockchain and um, you know shared environments going, right? We're, I've, I already know that you know in some cases if you're with some of these platforms, if you go from one organization to another where they have the same platform, you can port some stuff over. So yeah. So the, so 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 that's a, that's that's interesting. If if technology can enable liquidity in the um, um, employment market. That's a very interesting idea. And so yeah, if that's I don't know about Lime Aid particularly on this. that topic. I don't know <coughs> if they're on particular on that topic, but I know with some other platforms they are starting to, to investigate or are starting to do it at a light level. Yeah. Well, who's doing that? Um, I have had conversations. Oh, I I would have to go back and check my notes. I don't want to mention anybody in particular, but I know I've had conversations with two or three of the organizations that are doing this kind of um communication and slash sort of wellness and they are sort of um, with the idea that if someone is in one area and if they go to another company and they also have that same platform but I don't want to mention I honestly can't remember who it is but I know I've had the conversations okay that's, that's, that's good so this is this is great so let's see if we can get the last one in textio textio so so they they're claiming to solve writer's block. I was just going to say, can they do this, John? I I I would love this. This this would be a because because they claim that they can start your whatever you're writing for you based off of whatever you've written in the past is what I'm understanding. Is that correct? That's what that's what it sounds like. But I got to tell you, so, so I use Gmail, and in Gmail. Every time I go to respond to somebody, um, it offers me suggestions about what I can say um, to get to sort of get me started, and it's this it's the same idea. And the way that I treat that is if I really don't care about somebody and I really don't want to put any investment into a response to them, then they get Google response. <laughs> Um, 
missed that last bit you had mentioned, so I may, I may have, um, just because I think we were having some technical difficulty, Dad, um, could you repeat that if you're if you're listening? some technical difficulties, but I, I hopefully they're catching what you're hearing. I'm not catching it. I'm, I'm hearing in bits and pieces of it, but I will say that the Textio application, this this seems like um, it also sort of fits along with the lines of some of the things that I've seen in Microsoft Office, which is what I use more often than something like Gmail, more often than not, it's not so much that they give you opportunities to sort of just reply back to someone and they will tell you what to reply back to them, but they do filter your emails pretty heavily with the focused and other group categories now, and I know Gmail's been doing that for a while. And so every time I think about someone sort of analyzing what someone has wrote and making decision about where it goes or what you should say, that's what I think about. And I know that a lot of important stuff oftentimes gets dropped into my other category and I have to go in and look at it, but most times I don't. A lot of times I'll delete that whole category of, of material um, and so I wonder, will you know, if they're trying to sort of get a sense of what you've written in the past, what do they decide to keep and what do they not keep? Right? Is the is the big conversation? Right. 